0: These are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in The Spoiler Room. I had to update my password, so they had to send me a code to update my password, then update my password, to then send me a code to have me change my password again, to send me another code to activate that password.
1: Welcome to Microsoft.
0: Holy shit. <laughs> How you doing? I'm all right. How are you?
1: I, I'm better now. I'm talking to you. It's been a while, my friend. It has. You've Well, you've been quite busy moving stores and...
0: Yeah, stuff.
1: Doing important things.
0: Um, I, I guess. So.
1: <laughs> Glencon looks like it was a success again. Was Glencon a successful? Uh yes it was. Yeah.
0: yeah. it was smaller this year, which was actually good.
1: hmm So It you don't mind a little bit smaller crowd?
0: I I think it worked out a lot better being a little smaller, so mm. but yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I'm popular on Twitter today. <laughs>
1: right. You are you are a tweeting fiend, apparently. Well
0: some I some bro I was getting in, into it with oh, came up and started quoting stuff about, you know, it's like, you know, oh, the poor, poor white guys, you know, we're so oppressed. What the and, then, f- and then he called someone a beta and I said, oh, sorry, the way we were looking for was cuck, but <laughs> you still get a month's supply of Axe Body Spray and a bottle of Dr. Pepper 10. Thank you for playing. Nice.
1: So. Oh. so it looks like it will be just a you and I tonight.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I see Lamont is uh, on vacation.
1: Yeah, he's in Jersey, I guess, or in the New England area, so.
0: Yeah, uh, all right then. <laughs> Fine. So it's,
1: so it's just you and me, kid. Uh,
0: <laughs> I suppose I can accept that. <laughs> what are you uh, talking about? we talking about uh, uh,
1: the notebook, right? Yes, we're talking about the notebook, because... Uh, I love that movie. That I was
0: joking. Uh, Shit, I didn't watch that yet.
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't love that movie, but I love tonight's movie. That's for sure. Uh, so, oh, don't. No, I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any uh, uh, animated rabbits hidden in my uh, in my lair, if you will. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. It's okay. No, it's a good try, though. It was a really good try. So I, I think we'll just we'll just dive into this then, sir. All right. All righty. <clears throat> Hello, my friends. Thank you for venturing once again down into the spoiler room. Yes, it is Mark the Movie Man. And tonight we're kicking off our live-action animation mix mixer, if you will. And we have someone with us tonight. He has not been here for a while. He has been a man- just traveling to parts unknown, dominating games everywhere on the tabletop. But he is back with us tonight. Please welcome once again to the Spoiler Room, the man, the myth, the legend, the BFD himself. It is Mr. Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. How are you, sir? Hello, peon. <laughs> well, good to know I, where I still stand.
0: <laughs> you know, just I've got to keep... Got to keep the status quo, you know. Apparently,
1: yeah. yeah you don't. You don't want to ruin that uh, whole uh, cast structure now in the podcast, right? No, yeah. not at all.
0: You know, <laughs> absolutely not.
1: <laughs> so, so how you been? How go? How goes things with you, sir? Are you uh, surviving the summer?
0: I am surviving the summer. It's it's pretty rough.
1: I mean, you
0: know, our pool's only eighteen foot across, so. I, I make I make do as I can.
1: It, it's good to good to hear that you're, you know, you're surviving under those conditions. So yeah,
0: though though my roommates love to keep the house super freaking cold. No. So, um, so okay. I'm currently I, it is August fourth, and I'm running space heater. So,
1: wow. <laughs> Well, if you're if you're too cold, you can come to my house. Our air conditioning died on us Thursday, so uh, I'm good. <laughs> we've we've had the fans going, and it's one of those where we actually kind of welcome the rainy season a bit to help cool things off. <laughs> so
0: yeah, I um, I spent some time outside today. And, holy shit! Did a uh, hummingbird scare the crap out of me? It's <laughs> just sitting on a chair. And it, like, came up right behind me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you've never had a hummingbird fly right by your head, it sounds like there's a giant wasp right behind you. Sure. Because all it is is just that buzz of their wings. I turn around, like, you know, expecting to see this, you know, freaking uh, giant, you know, like, nine-foot-long wasp, like, ready to kill me. And no, it's just the hummingbird just, just, like, hovering there and just, like, staring at me. I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, you scared the hell out of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're just a sweet, sweet guy, so... I guess. The hummingbird one. Because he you. did
0: come back two other times.
1: He did. And wow. kind of like,
0: yeah. And then he would always like wait just long enough for me to turn my camera on and they'd be like, all right, I'm done. And I'm like, you jerk. You jerk.
1: <laughs> you jerk. Well, Stop you... playing with me. <laughs> actually, uh, the movie we're talking about tonight uh, had a hummingbird and it. it had three of them, actually, animated, uh, among other great animations. And we are talking about nineteen yes, we are talking nineteen eighty-eight. And it is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh yeah, I've been tossing back and forth whether or not I wanted to do this just because for me, this film is oh God, man. Thirty-one years ago?
0: Yes. Thirty-one years? This movie's thirty-one years old? Yes. Oh my gosh.
1: I, <laughs> you're telling me. You're oh, yeah, it's thank you. I hadn't put the math together till you said it, but I appreciate that, Glenn. <laughs> I'll just sit <laughs> You're over here welcome. with I'll just sit here with my arteries hardening. Uh <laughs> thinking of how old this movie is, but uh as we'll get into it tonight, I think uh it's still for me one of the uh and I'm just going to start it off right now and just say this for me is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh Glenn, did you want to give a bit of the synopsis of Who Framed Roger Rabbit?
0: Oh, sure. Um, so uh, Mario hates cartoons. Um, and, uh, and I mean, there's a long story of why he does. Is because, you know, a toon, a toon murdered his brother. Um, yes. uh, you know, so, I mean, he had to shut down the whole plumbing thing and, uh, and go on to something else. Oh, sorry. Wrong. Wrong. wrong wrong, Bob Hoskins. Wrong Bob um, Hoskins. Okay, rog. no, but Eddie no. Valle uh, is a detective um, whose brother was killed by a toon, and therefore he hates toons. And this is a world where toons, uh, while they make their cartoons, you know, like Mickey Mouse is still Mickey Mouse making his movies and all that stuff, but toons are, like, real. They're, like, alive. Um, so they're, you know, they work out in Hollywood and whatever, they make their movies, and you have Roger, who is this rabbit who is married to Jessica, who is not a rabbit. <laughs> no. Not at all. Um, and it's a whole thing of there's someone going around killing tunes, And, of course, now Eddie gets sucked back into the whole world of tunes because he's got to help Roger, who's kind of being framed for this whole thing of, you know, murder uh, of an actual human. Someone who was apparently playing patty cake. Not apparently. It was caught. It, it was caught. Was patty they, cake, they, yeah. Patty cake with his wife, which, of course, would drive any rabbit to murder.
1: Yeah, you you don't want. I mean, anyone finding that their wives are playing patty cake with someone would would go off the edge. So, uh, God, <laughs> Glenn, you remember when you first saw Roger Rabbit? How did you? What did you think of this film?
0: Oh, I loved this film when I when I first saw it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that's because that's I was seventeen and I thought Jessica was hot. Well, no, um, no. Um, I, I love the whole mixing of of the cartoons with with the live action um, it's not the first movie to do it but it did it it did it incredibly well I mean for 1988 they blended that really really well
1: yeah because the, um, a- the animation most of it was hand-drawn still
0: yeah um, so yeah this is not this is not some big, I mean, CG was not <laughs> you know just go watch some Babylon 5 and you see what CG was capable of uh, <laughs> around 1989 to 90 uh, ish. Um, But, uh, and, and I've always, I mean, some of the actors in here, I mean, I love Bob Hoskins. I love Christopher Lloyd, which, when, the other thing I thought of is this movie's 31 years old. Dude was old when this movie was made and he's still alive. Yeah. How? He's got to be like 110. (laughs) Um, and then also the interesting thing, too, is, is, when I was looking at the, uh, the IMDb page, Mm -hmm. Jessica Rabbit is not credited anywhere. No. Only her, only her, Body model is credited. So the voice isn't even on here. The voice isn't on here, which it's in the trivia, and and I knew Kathleen Turner, uh, voiced mm-hmm. talking Jessica, and yes. I uh, and it was Amy was it Amy Irwin who did the singing, I think. Right. But yeah, it's just interesting that that just there's no credit for, I mean, one of the you know three biggest characters in the movie, because it's pretty much it's it's Bob Hosk. Well, actually four, because uh, Roger, which was charged. Charles uh, Fleischer. Yeah. So I mean, you have Fleischer, Christopher Lloyd, and Bob Hoskins, and then pretty much, the uh, rounding up the top actors in it would be Kathleen Turner, who's not credited at all. That's nor crazy. nor is nor is the singer. So it's like neither of her voices are credited. Only the the human that they based the body on.
1: <laughs> Betsy Brantley is credited. That's crazy, uh, because yeah. she's she's such an integral part of it, and. Man, Kathleen Turner, her voice just matched so well with Jessica Rabbit. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, So you enjoyed this. Uh, how many times did you see it in the theater? Just once? No,
0: I, I saw this, I believe I
1: saw it twice. I know I saw it at least twice. Yeah, uh, this was one of those films that I knew that uh, a lot of people actually saw, saw it multiple times, as, as did I. And I may have met, mentioned it in the past, but I, I will mention it again for the sake of the... the I, I saw it a dozen times in the theater. Alright. Uh, <laughs> I, I, When this movie came out at 88, I adored this film for so many reasons. I mean, yeah, at 88, if you do the math, I was uh, 13 at the time. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so, there is that, but uh, for some reason, this film just struck a chord with me, and it was one of those where i uh, part of the reason I saw it a dozen times was because back then i mean you, first off you didn 't you, you had some multiplexes, but you still had a movie per screen you didn 't have yeah. a movie on multiple screens no uh they were just there were so many movies now, and they had the screens you could you could just see a lot more so for me, this was one of those films where I went to see it with some friends and then I went to see it with my mom and then I went to see it with my mom and dad. Then I went to see it with my grandparents and my grandparents and now you know, various combinations of people I knew wanted to see this movie, especially, uh, the older folks in my family, because a lot of the cartoons and things that are featured in this film are from the golden age cartoons. Yeah you know so while i i had watched a lot of golden age cartoons as a kid as well because my dad Nat was into it so i watched it so i recognized a lot of faces but for them this was like a who's who i mean it was well and it's also that i mean it's not it's not classic film noir but
0: it's i believe they call it neo noir or new noir right um but it's, it's got that noir feel to it as well because i mean you have the whole private dick and it's this is hollywood and it's i mean it's very much that kind of setting that this oh, yeah. is not modern, you know, like modern, modern day.
1: No, it's set in 1947 Hollywood. Yeah,
0: yeah. so I mean, it's, it's got that noir feel, even though it's, it's and that's the thing, noir in color is really weird. <laughs> it is. Uh, just because it's, that black and white is just so, I you know, ingrained in the, in the feel of noir. But also, and I'm amazed how expensive this movie was.
1: For back in 88?
0: For back in 88. I mean, this would be, I mean, not even a cheap movie now, I mean, I, they, I, I'm seeing here the budget was estimated at seventy million, for a
1: 1988 film. That's insane. That was that's insane. Absolutely
0: insane. I mean, that's when I mean I could see a movie for under five bucks, first run, under five bucks. Right. And th- I'm not talking about the the Marcus Tuesday deal.
1: <laughs> no, that, uh, was, this, that this was was a evening a, show.
0: Um, uh, an evening show. And actually, where I grew up, if I just waited like three or four weeks, the theater where I grew up would get it about three or so weeks after release, and we paid 99 cents until like 92 or 93, because it was shortly after I got into college that they raised their price up to $2.
1: Oh, budget cinema. And it wasn't even a budget.
0: It was, it was <laughs> that it was that step between the budget. Sure. So it was like they wouldn't get it right away, almost mm. never. Uh, sometimes if it was like those few that had the really big releases, they would get it pretty pretty soon. But, sure. Yeah, otherwise I was my... Trek out to Northridge to the big cinema because they had six screens. They
1: did, yeah. <laughs> well, they were in the mall too. That was connected. They to were in the mall. mall. Yep. Yeah, Northridge Cinema. That's where I saw it there a couple times. There, uh, saw it out at uh, Marcus uh, Cinema, and uh, one time I think it was uh, was it West Point? I think it might have been. No, it wasn't West Point. It was no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm totally Town? wrong. What uh, West Town? Well, there was because um, there was both. Right, there, there was, was both Town
0: and yep. West Point, two Marcus cinemas that were about six blocks from they each were, other. They were they
1: were in, they were considered in different towns because yeah. the, the the border was Bro- ran Brookfield and Waukesha. Yeah, Brookfield and Waukesha, and so uh, no, West Town, but no, I'm even wrong there. No, this was at South Town. I remember that. No. Oh, okay. I went to see it with my grandfather. Uh, uh We went to see Roger Rabbit, just me and him, and. <laughs> Lo and behold, what is still playing at the theater uh, next door? And let me just double-check my dates because I remember this vividly. Uh, yeah. So uh, Roger Rabbit had been out a month already. I had seen it a number of times. Grandpa wanted to go see it. I went with Grandpa to a matinee. As we got out, he looked over to the theater and goes, oh, Die Hard's playing. Son, you want to go see Die Hard? Sure. So we snuck in to see <laughs> Die Hard after Roger Rabbit. <laughs> All right. And my grandfather had one of those refill, you know, the big refill buckets. So he went and yep. got the, they, I'm like, Grandpa, they're not going to let you. He's like, ah, don't worry. But, you know, he went over and he he got a refill of the big bucket of popcorn and soda. And, and we went and did a double feature of Roger Rabbit and Die Hard because Roger Rabbit was still on screens at that time. So, you know, that was when movie th- movies lasted more than two weeks at the theater. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, I, I have fond memories of this film. Um, but yeah, it's Eddie Valley. It's done in the noir style, which I love noir, which was surprising. And uh, Glenn, were you were you kind of surprised just a bit of the maturity of the story, considering w- who you know that it involved tunes basically?
0: Um, not especially because I mean, I mean maybe just initially but once you watch it you realize this wasn't made for kids. Right. Um and that I mean that's that's shown by the fact that uh, when the studio first did focus groups they focused primarily on teenagers and teenagers a lot of them hated it. Right. To which Rebecca said, "Perfect. I don't need to change anything." <laughs> Good cuz those aren't the people we're targeting. Yeah. So um, <laughs> although what was was this PG this was it just PG, wasn't it? Was yeah, just it was just PG. PG.
1: So Yeah, and they got I away mean, they got away I mean, with a lot.
0: They did, but also I I look at some of it where I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that happened in classic tunes, there was plenty of, of I mean there was some sexual innuendo and stuff like that. There were nods to the parents as well in mm-hmm. I mean look at Old Warner Brothers especially. What? I mean, some of the bugs, some of the Bugs Bunny stuff.
1: <laughs> Cross-dressing bugs, what?
0: Uh... <laughs> you know. So, I mean, it, it's. I, th- I think. I think it was more a bit of homage to that type of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And we weren't go, you know, the, the really raunchy stuff like Fritz the Cat.
1: But <laughs> well, yeah, no, no. But I mean, Jessica Rabbit. I mean, holy yeah. crap! You know, I mean, but well,
0: it... I mean, she just
1: you just a more.
0: I mean, she's a. I guess a just a different version of, like, a Betty Boop.
1: Yeah, well, which was great because they had Betty Boop in here and the original voice actress for Betty Boop. And that that was the thing that I love, and part of the thing that has endeared this film to me for so much was it's not just, oh, look, we have animation and live-action mix. Like you said, Glenn... They, they create this world and everything, and it's, pretty, it's actually kind of ahead of its time. They built this world to make you believe the toons and humans have been living together forever, and, and you buy into it. And then they get this cast of people who, again, as you mentioned, this wasn't made for 13-year-olds because they're not going to catch half the people they actually have in this film, which are old-school, golden-age actors playing mm-hmm. various parts you know stubby k uh you, you know i mean just just you have these f- uh, fairly familiar faces and yeah i mean i love it it blends it's not just uh, uh hey look at these tunes but this is robert zemexis's love letter to noir films as well isn't it
0: oh yeah absolutely there's there's no question about that mm-hmm.
1: I mean, from that to the to the direction of the music. I mean, you just buy you buy into this world, and it really a lot of that has to do with the cast playing with the animation very well, but especially Bob Hoskins. What did you think of Bob Hoskins in this film?
0: I he's he's fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Hoskins is uh, he can pull off the it's it's amazing because he does this great, you know, kind of angry and flustered really well, mm-hmm. but he actually, as it shows later on, he can do some of the slapstick and and the way he interacts with the tunes is, I mean, it's really good. When he's, when he's and this is not, you know, he wasn't, they weren't doing you know, motion cap
1: No. So yeah, you know, it, it wasn't
0: Benedict Cumberbatch in a big motion cap suit just across from him in front of a green screen
1: <laughs> Well, that's the thing too, is that massive green screen productions weren't big back then there is so much work as far as compositing and everything to put these what are actual hand-drawn animations over the robotics that they had mixed in to blend this live action and animation so well and watching it again it always impresses me just how many live action props they have in this film like we get this scene, Eddie Valiant, he's hired uh, to investigate Jessica Rabbit uh, because she, they think she's fooling around behind Roger Rabbit's back, which we yep. find out she is. So he goes to the, I love the name of it, Ink and Paint Club, uh, <laughs> and he, he, he gets into this, this kind of you know, underground club, and she shows up, but there's a band of crows playing in the back, and you would think, oh, a band, so they're going to animate the mi- instruments, but they don't. All the instruments are are real props, on robotics.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, you know, his, the glass uh, being carried to to uh, Bob Hoskins, uh, Eddie Valiant for his drink, it's real. It's not anime. The sheer volume of yeah, I mean, did did you catch that, Glenn? What, what do you think of that? I mean, for eighty eight, we're talking about.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, it's 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 incredible. And I mean, as I said before, the budget. I mean, this was. The most expensive movie made in the eighties. Yeah. So yeah, and there's just there's so much good stuff. So I I love, I love imagining uh, like some of their original choices for casting. It, how this movie would have been different. Oh. <laughs> as well, because I mean the fact that Bill Murray was their first choice for uh, Eddie Valiant. Wow. Uh, but they couldn't reach him, and apparently Bill Murray found out after the movie came out, mm-hmm. and like, was mad, and uh, <laughs> Tim Curry. Was uh, auditioned for Judge Doom, but apparently he scared the shit out of like Zemeckis and Spielberg and everyone. Just like, no, whoa, whoa, this is this is frightening beyond belief. And I and I can imagine that. You know, I can just imagine how that would be different with Tim Curry instead of instead of Christopher Lloyd. Um, but yeah, just so much of this movie is is just it, it. In a lot of ways, it's it's like ahead of its time, like so ahead of its time.
1: It is for the for the stuff that they're doing. I mean, people take for granted now the the uh, CGI and anim- you know live action mix together because you get it in pretty much any any movie. But this one on the scale that they did it in was insane, and the how well it looked. And yeah, uh Christopher Lloyd is judge Doom because we do have a villain in here folks, because uh, we we Roger Rabbit's on the run, and Eddie Valance Helingham. And so, of course, you have to have a villain and none other than Christopher Lloyd as Judge Doom, who, if Tim Curry was too scary and Judge Doom was their second, uh, Christopher Lloyd was their second choice, I can't imagine how scary Curry was because Lloyd was, it, he scares oh, yeah. me still.
0: I mean. What? Go, go. Next, next time you watch this movie, watch him. He never blinks. No. The whole movie he never blinks. Uh, I mean, he might when he's he's wearing he's wearing shades a lot of times. when he's not wearing the shades, he never blinks when he has his glasses off,
1: yeah. and and we kind of find out later why. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> for Judge Doom. But when we first meet him, he he's just this guy dressed up like an undertaker. His name is Judge Doom. He travels with a group of <laughs> take a stereotypical henchman. Each type that you've ever seen in a film and put them in a group together, only make them weasels, and you get his weasel group, uh, who are yeah. his, his minions, and he's created an interesting formula for a liquid that will do something no one ever thought they could do, is kill toons. And what is that, Glenn? I was, what was that? What, what, what's the liquid that... Oh, uh, the dip. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah acetone, uh, um,
1: formaldehyde benzene
0: and benzene. Yeah. Which yes. are all paint thinners.
1: Yes. <laughs> it the the first scene we're introduced to judge doom. Uh, Eddie's at the scene where Acme has gotten killed. Uh, Marvin Acme, who's the one that was playing patty cake with uh, Jessica. And so they all think Roger killed it. Uh, you know, Acme and judge doom shows up with his weasels and he's got this bucket full of dip and, Man, you you know you're just look at this going. Yeah, this really isn't made for kids. This whole first seed, Glenn. What'd you think of it? Where he picks up the cartoon. Oh yeah. Shoe.
0: It's just shrieking <laughs> as he dissolves it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and it's of course got red ink. So he pulls his glove out of the dip that he uses, yep. and it's red. And you got the the weasels who are just being wicked. And it's
0: just like, oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah, I, and. It, there's so much things that, that a lot of people wouldn't catch in this movie as well, mm-hmm. aside from, I mean, the fact that it, it hits on, like, segregation. Yeah. This is the 40s. And it's not, in this case, it's not, you know, uh, black people segregated from white people. It's toons from humans. Because you got, what is the the club? Uh, uh,
1: the Ink and Paint Club. Ink and
0: Paint, where, uh, you know, toons aren't allowed as customers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, only it's,
0: only humans are customers, and you know, and and you know all the entertainers and, and employees, and it's just, I mean, you know, it's it's that interesting thing.
1: Yeah, that that's an interesting dynamic where it's humans only, but they go in the club, and all the animated servants are are uh, well animated and, and cartoonish, and you make you realize it doesn't take long to draw the parallel, especially what type oh, yeah. of you know entertainment you have going on in a said club. Uh, Draw the parallel to yeah, like you said, segregation. I mean, Toontown, all the tunes are held to their own town, uh, which is kind of sealed off. It's under its own jurisdiction and everything. You learn that Uh, tunes outside of entertainment, you almost get the feeling like they're looked down upon outside of the entertainment industry a bit. Um, You know, there's there's still stars, but you know, it's one of those things where they got to keep to their their town their things and whenever they mix oh well we can't have that uh you you keep to your town so yeah it's it's wild and the setting that he picks for this film 1947 hollywood i mean you feel like you're there don't you glenn i mean the production design that they put into this as well really i mean it it doesn't feel like these are just sets does it
0: oh yeah I, i mean it's Everything about it just—it it looks amazing, mm-hmm. and 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 the effort they had to go to uh, to to make it look that way. Yeah, because as you said, they had you know, um, I mean, so much stuff that was like uh, uh, motion operated mm-hmm. to, to make it look like the uh, like uh, the ba- uh, the baby with his cigars, mm-hmm. and, and and Roger when really smashing plates on his head, and there's even the there's a scene where uh, a lamp gets bumped, mm-hmm. and the work the animators had to do to make the animation match the swaying of the light because the light kept changing because of the shadow cast by it, which I guess is apparently a term that they still use in animation at Disney called bumping the lamp when they go that extra mile to make something more believable.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the shadows in this are awesome, too. I mean, you've got – there's a scene where Yosemite Sam – uh, comes flying through the air from Toontown just uh, because uh, Acme the crime scene and the studios are right next door to toontown. so you Sammy Sam he f- flies out his pants are on fire and he he dips his butt that's on fire in the water. The real yep. water actually sprays up. there's actual steam, but there's a shadow on the ground that matches the animation perfectly, yep, and the shadows are wonderful and uh, I love with Bob Hoskins because there's a scene, a series of scenes in here, folks, where Roger Rabbit is handcuffed to Eddie Valiant. And I remember seeing the behind the scenes of this because they did all these kinds of behind the scene features and I was just eating it up. He had their real handcuffs, but it was made stiff and he had to move his wrist in a way that would move later on and be animated to where Roger is moving around. But he himself had to do puppeteering. Yeah. With it. Uh, but he, he makes it so believable. Probably his best role, I would say. Would you say that you don't see Bob Hoskins, that you actually do see Eddie Valiant? I mean, he really seems to just take this role to heart.
0: Yeah, he absolutely does.
1: I mean, he, he really gets into it, and it's one of his better roles I've seen him in, uh, for sure. Of course, one of my favorite, um, uh, you know, and the cast around him. I, I liked uh, his uh, his love, uh, Dolores, played by Joanna yeah. Cassidy. What do you think of her?
0: <laughs> oh, Dolores is fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she kind of captures that old school, uh, you know, look. Definitely, both the way they. Uh, for for wardrobe and hair and everything, but just her her chemistry with Bob Hoskins worked so well, I thought, in this film, and and, uh, (laughs) she gets one of the best lines in this movie. Uh, We got uh, Roger on the run, and so we've got Jessica Rabbit showing up to Eddie Valiant's office, Um, and, of course, it's Jessica Rabbit, so uh, old Eddie is is just a little bit uh, flustered. Uh, by her, and he's he's trying to put on pants and, and she's uh, talking to him and then, uh, yeah, Dolores comes into the office and you remember what she says? I do not. Oh, dabbling in watercolors, Eddie? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow! But there's a lot of that in here because in the world of cartoons... Well, we've seen it in cartoons that we love, and in here, in the real world, it applies. There are puns everywhere, aren't there, Glenn? What would you think of that and the, how they work that uh, into it to where you, uh, cartoons take everything literally?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's perfect, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: yeah. it, it just fits so well, so well with just their general personality style.
1: Mm-hmm. Because he's in that club and, and, you know, he goes scotch on the rocks and immediately corrects himself. I mean ice. Yep. And, of course, they bring him a scotch on the rocks. Yep. Uh, <laughs> playing patty cake. They're actually playing patty cake. It. it they, they weren't doing anything inf- nefarious if you actually, in a real world, our world, but they actually do play patty cake. Yep. Which is another... You're right. There is just so much in this film going on art-wise because here we have hand-drawn animations and Glenn, he's given the photos and he starts flipping through the photos.
0: Yep, it's a flip book. So you, yeah, you get the, the flip, flip book animation.
1: Yeah, <laughs> hand-drawn cre- cre- uh, creation. Patty cake, patty cake, <laughs> patty cake. Oh, the, the apple of my eye, the cream in my coffee. It looks like you need to start taking black because Maroon's taking his cream now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the dialogue in it, too. Yeah, it it just it flows so well in here. It And then little details as well. You mentioned it earlier, Glenn. There's, there's a scene in here. Uh, again, back to the crime scene because there's just so much here. We get... Eddie Valiant, who we learn is down, you know, not looked well upon by the police force because he's an alcoholic ever since his brother died or whatnot. There's a scene though, uh, Jessica Rabbit comes up to him, she goes, Eddie Valiant, and when he turns around, just before she slaps him, he looks down at her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like And and what makes
0: it even better is that at this at that point during filming, Jessica had not even been drawn yet. Oh, really? Bob Hoskins had no idea what she was going to look like. He was told to just envision his perfect dream woman. And apparently he was she was not as uh, I guess risque as what they came up with in, in his in his mind, what he envisioned was not her. But, yeah, so just the how they did that is just perfect because of the fact that she had she was not
1: even drawn. no, wow. So he just that's just his acting. and, It sells so well because as he turns around, he looks at her, and then he just looks briefly down at where her chest is because Hoskins is a short gentleman and and Jessica Rabbit is, like, seven feet tall. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And and then she slaps him, but she doesn't exactly slap him for the look. She slaps him because he's the one that took the photos. Um, Yeah. You know, and then later on, I mean, but she's drawn. She's supposed to be the femme fatale. In your noir, she is like the epitome of femme fatale. uh, Not bad, I'm just drawn that way. Right? (laughs) And later on, she does play a part in it, because uh, Eddie Valiant thinks uh, that Maroon is in on this uh, corruption after he sees a news clip, and he starts to put two and two together, but old Maroon Cartoons isn't really, he's just a pawn as well, and he gets killed, and he thinks Jessica's done it. Uh, which, again, we have another little detail. There's so many throwbacks to spy films in that because Eddie Valiant pulls out a golden gun. Man with the golden gun, even. I'm, like, sitting here going, wow, how many references can you fit in a film? And apparently quite a bit. Um, because then he follows her to Toontown, and uh, she ends up saving his life. Uh, you know, and... I love Toontown. What'd you think of Toontown? Because this Chase takes him into Toontown where he doesn't want to go and you're like, oh, come on, how bad can it be? And then you get into Toontown. And- oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and there's, I mean, there's, you know, there's even the one that was Acme overused props or whatever it is with like, yeah. all the stuff just falling. And I also love the fact that if you if you look at almost every, I believe, every, almost pretty much every appearance of a Warner Brothers character, because this was a Disney movie. Right. Um every appearance of Warner Brothers character is uh, when there's also a Disney character Right because yeah. Warner Brothers wouldn't agree to it unless their characters got the same amount of screen time Really? <laughs> and and rumor has it that Disney lied to Warner um, because Warner wanted to use the most recent versions of their tunes Right and Disney wanted to make it realistic by using the versions from the 40s. Sure. So they sent test footage using footage of the real, the modern cartoons, but used the originals in the movie.
1: <laughs>
0: With the exception being uh, Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner because uh, they didn't exist in the 40s. Right. So I, I guess uh, uh, Spielberg, I think, insisted mm-hmm. on them being in it. At the end, so sure. but yeah, so yeah, it's 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 Toontown is great, and just the fact that I, I did I never noticed that watching the movie that every time like you know the parachute scene with Bugs Bunny, there's also Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. The piano scene with with Daffy Duck also has Donald Duck. I never noticed that uh, before until someone had pointed it out to me years ago, because um, you, you have Porky Pig and Tinkerbell, Bell. Yep. Um, I forget what else is in there. I don't, I don't know who's on is someone on screen with. Yosemite Sam, I can't remember.
1: No, Yosemite Sam is actually by himself. by
0: himself, yeah. Although he wasn't voiced by uh, Mel Blanc. No. Because he was too old and couldn't do the voice. Yeah, so... It is the the only credited... Only time someone's credited for doing one of his voices during his lifetime. Really? Yeah. No one else had ever done one one of his cartoon voices except for him while he was alive
1: man and and people i think don't realize with this film it's not just the technical marvels that they have it's not just the the story and what they're doing in here but to get these characters on screen together i heard was a licensing nightmare
0: oh yeah and like
1: you know and like you mentioned because folks we're not talking about you you might think oh well you're blending in these known characters i'm like. There's characters in the background. There's characters that you don't even barely see. All of them, if you looked at a moment, would be recognizable. I mean, they put, they wanted to build this world full of tunes so you don't just get your popular tunes in here. You get stuff from all over, and that had to be just a licensing crazy, which if you watched it in the theater, it had one of the longest-running credit sequences I've ever seen in a movie theater. Uh, it's short nowadays, and with video and DVD releasing that. But I, when I watched it, it was forever because people, you don't understand. This was one of the first time. This was the first time Donald Duck and Daffy Duck were on the screen together, I believe, as well as Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. Oh, it's the
0: first time they've ever appeared together. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, here you have two properties who have always been at each other, and you're watching a movie, and you've got the dueling pianos with Daffy Duck. And Donald, and if you grew up with these cartoons, even when I did as a kid watching them on you know Saturday morning cartoons, that was just huge, mm-hmm. you know. And then yeah, Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse, holy crap, together, you know. As as uh, Valiant, who uh, he's trying to, he's trying to hide from Lena the hyena, who posed as Jessica Rabbit, uh, but she's a lot not Jessica Rabbit. He goes into the men's bathroom, which, of course, it's Toontown, so there's no floor or anything in this really suddenly high high high-rise, which, if you look in the background on the wall, it says, for a good time, call Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. (laughs) I look at that going, they got away with so much for PG. Oh, my God. Uh, So he's falling, and he asks... Them for a spare because they, Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny have a parachute, and there's this whole. It's a longer sequence. It's not just like this little blip. And again, if you grew up with these, it's like this is mind-boggling because <laughs> I, I don't think I ever would have imagined up until that point ever seeing those cartoons together on screen, much less interacting with each other. What about you, Glenn? When when you saw this, did you ever think that you'd actually see? all of these actually together in one film? No. I mean, because there was such a rivalry. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I loved uh, Toontown, though, will probably give some people a little bit of a headache. Uh, (laughs) But uh, even then, you know, we work ourselves to the final scene where there's a couple of big twists. And one of them is, of course, uh, what Judge Doom really is which yes this is Remember
0: sp- me Eddie <laughs> This
1: is a spoiler room but again if you see this scene and you think Tim Curry scared the piss out of him I want to see that that footage now if they ever did some because holy crap Christopher Lloyd in one of his scariest roles as what what does it end up being Glenn
0: <laughs> Oh he's the guy that killed uh, Eddie's brother
1: but not only that what is Judge Doom? Oh, he's a tune. Yeah, yeah, he's a tune. Holy crap! It, that scene where he's getting steamrolled. Yep. It's oh like, yeah, where he's just screaming. It's yep. horrified. It's. I'm like sitting there going, "This is actually legitimately scaring me," and it's such a wonderful role because Christopher Lloyd, up until that point, really was known for his comedy, comedic roles. You know, his, his silly role, like Doc. Brown, you know? So you get him in this bad guy role, he just ate up every scene he was in. I mean, did, did, you, did you like him as the choice? I know you said Tim Curry was uh, scary and would have probably liked to see him, but... Oh,
0: Chris Lloyd was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I think he gave just a little bit of more playfulness of what you wanted in this movie uh, for the character, because he creates this whole gigantic... Uh, a vehicle full of dip because he wants to wipe off the face of the earth, Toontown and why does he want to Glenn?
0: For the highway. <laughs> a freeway. Yeah, the freeway. They, they call it a freeway. They call it a freeway.
1: <laughs> Where he imagines shopping mall Again, here's some commentary now we're talking 80s but on capitalism right here. Capitalism killing the golden age, which uh, I thought was an interesting theme to work in here. Uh, what'd, you, what'd you think about him playing that angle as well and making a statement, basically about you know uh, how the, the fast paced our fast paced world has actually ruined some things?
0: Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely and it, it's it's another thing of that time frame is that America is shifting. You know, it's that mm-hmm. whole shift from 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 how you know this quote-unquote you know how how life was everything's changing you know, the whole post-war you know the war is done but uh, you know it's like how, how what more can we go through it's like well the, everything's you know everything being accelerated now everything's faster and more and more and more and so much of the old ways are dying out or being replaced
1: mm-hmm. so
0: yeah just touching on all of that is fantastic
1: yeah yeah, and you know, when I was younger I didn't quite pick up on it. I picked up on some of it, but uh later on watching it cuz I watch this at least once a year if not more, um you pick up on it and you're like, "Wow, he he throws in some heavy th- themes. It's like Robert Zemeckis just went all in and threw in everything he could for this film because like you said, expensive as hell, 70 million for 88. But it it made its money back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, I mean, everybody nowadays, they're like, oh, a movie didn't hit a billion dollars. I don't know how successful it is. Back then in 88, a movie hitting $100 million was considered epic. And box office take estimated at $125 million for Roger Rabbit. Um, so it was a good gamble, I think. Um, and it, it stands up today. It, Watching it going, do you think this film, because it, even though it's hand-drawn animation, not CGI, you've got so much realistic props in here? Do you think this film holds up today still?
0: Absolutely it does
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, And I think part of it is is the fact that there's still classic cartoon animation. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, yes, you have you have you have a lot of CG animation now, but you still have that classic look of of some animation too. Um, I think if everything was CG as far as cartoons go, it wouldn't hold up as well. Right. Um, just because you would have so many people would have nothing to reference it to. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, that you can still look at it and still say, that's just a cartoon. And it still looks like a cartoon. It doesn't look like an old cartoon. It still just looks like a cartoon.
1: A cartoon. Because, yeah, they're still doing the, uh, the hand drawn animation. So, yeah, you're right. It, it still holds up. I could see that as well if everything had gone to rendered and CGI. Then it might be a little bit tougher to watch, but uh, you you do still have those a, a lot of uh, hand drawn stuff and in this yeah they still they did use some uh, enhancements for computers but we're talking eighty eight computers so they didn't have a whole lot of enhancement but they yeah. got cre- they got creative in here um, and yes folks they I know
0: a lot of people worked I mean they had the this was the longest credit sequence of a movie to date.
1: It was that it was the longest credit. There was, okay. like,
0: there was like over three hundred people credited in the movie because you had you had so many animators, mm-hmm. um, and that was it was and it was so different than just a you know it's a normal animated film. You have you have a fair chunk of animators, but that's it. You don't have to and it's just animating the cells, and that's it. You're not animating stuff onto existing film and having to make that match with the existing. I mean, the amount of work that took was just insane, especially when you didn't have you know, the computer rendering abilities you have now. I mean, this type of stuff now is so easy. You just green screen some stuff and you just overlay it. It's like, boom, we're done. I mean, it's not easy, but I mean, compared to what they had to do back then. Right. So, yeah. I mean, this is, this is stuff that, I mean, this is the type of technology that someone who knows how to use the software could create this at home.
1: Oh, yeah. You, you, so, you probably could. Now, yeah, but it's still, you know, there's just something about it. uh, Oh, yeah. You watch this again. And then there's the music. I I have to... uh, Silvestri, who did... He was paired with Robert Zemeckis, pretty much like Williams is paired with Spielberg and Burton and Elfman. Zemeckis used uh, Alan Silvestri, and his score to this is one of his best. I love all of the music in this film uh would you think of the music for this film jim uh glenn jim sorry no i it, it popped up on screen uh a credit i was looking at no glenn damn it mark sorry. i'm a glenn not a jim you are a glenn um, i have very much apologized. no i
0: <laughs> that's all right uh, um and i completely forgot your question oh the music um yeah the music's fantastic
1: mhm
0: um it it it's, it fits so well with everything about it because you you have to have this, I, you have to capture both the noir feel, but also the tune feel, and you're trying to capture so much stuff because this is a comedy, animated, live action, neo noir. <laughs> so that's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you don't, you know, it's and and to be able to have you that fits all of it at the same time, and you're and so much of it has to be you know more time specific too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, it's, he did an amazing job with with the score for this entire thing.
1: Yeah, I I thought uh, it was just it, it's beautiful. It's one of those you can listen to it by himself. He gets to use uh, jazz cues and get real jazzy stuff that is not exactly uh, signature for Silvestri. You know, I I don't I've got a number of his soundtracks, and this is a unique one for him because a lot of the cues he uses. Are just I've only heard in this uh, off the soundtrack, you know. So and it fits just so well. It helps set the mood so much. Yeah, I uh, this whole movie I just I I gush over it because it is it's one of those where I I just I love it. (laughs) There's there's not a lot to not like about it. I mean I think this film is just a solid film. From start to finish. What about you, Glenn? I mean, is there any part in here that that you didn't care for?
0: No, not that I can think of. I mean, I, it's it's a solid movie, start to finish. Um, yeah, no, I it's I don't I don't go back and say I wish this was different.
1: Yeah, not at all. <laughs> no, there there isn't anything in here. And it, while the story is pretty straightforward, there's very few watching it this time. There's actually very few holes in it. it's it's they keep it straightforward and yeah i uh I think it's still a well crafted film as well, and uh that it it's i i can never, uh, not find anything wrong with it. I think everything about it is you can tell the love, you know because you watch enough films, you can see when there's extra care put into a film sometimes, and this one is just there's so much care put into this movie. Um yeah. and about the only thing that a lot of people uh think about now is uh making the debate on whether or not Jessica Rabbit wore underwear. You know, I mean, I've seen that meme around, <laughs> around the web. I I'm like, okay, that that's what we're going to talk about in this film. Um yeah, uh just looking at a little bit of the trivia over 85,000 Hand inked and painted cells were created, and composited with the live action backdrops.
0: Yep, that
1: that is insane. That and people had to make each one of those, and that's why this isn't just a film. It's a piece of, it is a piece of art. I know we say that about films, but it really is uh, a piece of art. Wow, uh, and Harrison Ford was going to be. Possibly Eddie Valiant.
0: Oh, they, they had so many people they considered for, for Eddie Valiant. I mean, they had they considered Rick Moranis, Robin Williams was considered for both Eddie Valiant and Judge Doom. <laughs> um, uh, John Candy was considered for Eddie Valiant. I mean, pretty much they considered almost everyone. And yeah. I, I think that's that—that's a common theme you see in a lot of movies from like the '80s and stuff like that, where they have this. Here are the 943 people we considered for this role. <laughs> and you look at it, and you're like, you're like, you look at that whole list, and you're like, man, there's like two people out of that whole list that might have been as good as the person they chose.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, not that I dislike John Candy, but John Candy is gonna Bob Hoskins in that role. I can't see John John Candy pulling off the the angry bits, you no, know, the the angsty stuff. I mean, he could do the you know the the silly bits just fine. But he also just doesn't have the look. He doesn't have a look of, you know, a, a gritty, noir-esque type, you know, detective who, you know, is angry at everything. <laughs> Same with, and I would have thought that originally about Robin Williams, too. But then really? he went and did stuff like uh, One Hour Photo, and you're like, shit, dude.
1: <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> Where you've been keeping that one. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It- it's one of those, I look at that list, and in the end, I, I just can't see anyone but Bob Hoskins playing it because, yeah, they would. And, and how about uh, their choice for Roger Rabbit? I mean, Charles Fleischer, who actually has passed away before Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is kind of eerie, but uh, what do you think of his voice and his, his Roger Rabbit character? Because we haven't really talked about the title character too much, but what did you annoying. think of <laughs>
0: But it's supposed to be, I think. It's mm-hmm. part of it. It's, you know, it's it's also, it, it, it plays out well in that, you know, it's just um, the whole, you know, it's, it, it does definitely plays into, it, it fits the whole Hollywood trope, too, of the, here you have this completely incompetent kind of boog of a guy who's not all that attractive or amazing, but he's got the best looking woman.
1: Mm-hmm. He's got the best trailer, the starring role. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> his, uh, his, his, uh, uh fellow actors hold a grudge against him, a.k.a. Baby Herman,
0: who, Yes. First, I got 50 years of lust in a three-year-old dinky.
1: <laughs> the first time you see on screen, you don't expect it. I mean, every time I just laugh. For crying yep. out loud, Roger, how many times are we got to do this damn scene? It's like, yep. whoa, okay, I get what type of film we're, we're doing now, because yeah. we do get um, Roger Rabbit a sh- opening with a short film, uh, like a regular cartoon.
0: Oh yeah, you know. Uh, what What makes it even better is knowing that that Fleischer
1: mm-hmm.
0: said he had said all of his lines just off camera, Mm-hmm. dressed in the red o- uh, the red overalls and the big gloves. He was dressed as Roger Rabbit.
1: Yes, so, and
0: which. Which which led to people or other people who weren't working on the movie thinking the movie was gonna be awful because the effects were so bad. Because his <laughs> costume was so bad.
1: <laughs> That's a good good little uh distraction for people. Yeah, this is exactly the type of film we're making. You bet. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not. Uh but, yeah, that, and I think that helped with the acting, though, with him being off to the side, you know, saying the lines on, on script and that. That helped it flow, I think, too, for the actors. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, <laughs> uh, apparently there's a gag frame of Betty Boop where her dress was drawn too low in the front revealing uh, Oh yeah. her nipples. They,
0: yeah, they were showing, the, showing off her nipples. Yeah, they, they deleted that one. I apparently, don't that, have, apparently that wouldn't have gone over real well with some
1: people. <laughs> but oddly enough, it would have fit the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, yeah, folks, this is a little bit more of a mature film. It, it, it's a noir film. It's it's your gumshoe detective story. It just happens to have all these wonderfully animated classic cartoon characters in it. And, yeah, uh, I, I've... I think we'll, we'll wrap it up with just, uh, yeah, this film. I, Glenn, would you recommend it to uh, anyone. folks? Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyone. I would recommend this to anyone. Because, mm-hmm. um, I, one, I think it still holds up, and it's still, I think, a good movie. Mm-hmm. Regardless of, of the animation, whether it held up or not, it's still a good movie. And the animation does hold up.
1: Yeah, it, it still holds up very and well. It, and
0: it's still, it's still fairly unique. Yeah. There there are not a lot of films that blend, you know, cartoons with with live action the way that this does.
1: Not to the scope that it did. I mean, no. this the, I mean, what Cool World? Yeah, which we're actually going to talk about next week, yeah. uh, which is which is one where they were trying to play off of the hype of Roger yeah. Rabbit. Uh, I mean,
0: amazing soundtrack. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, yeah, we'd we'll definitely be going into that next week, but um yeah, I I, recommended this, I re- recommend this to anyone. I mean, if you think it's just got cartoons or what, it, No, I mean, you've got, you've got jokes in here like, and on screen, that shows you a little bit different time period of the 80s because today this would not fly. Um, we have a weasel. They frisk Eddie Valiant in the third act looking for a weapon. He doesn't have any. So they go, well, frisk the woman. With referring to Jessica Rabbit. And yep. the 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 uh, was it the Latino gangster weasel goes, I'll handle this one. And he shoves his hand down the front of her very low-cut dress. Yep. And a bear trap clamps his arm. And nice starts, booby trap. Yes. <laughs> but the fact you actually see that you're just like going, whoa, okay. Yep. <laughs> it's... It's not like he goes to start, you know, implying where he's going to go and it chops out. No, He's down in there. He goes all the way to the, yeah, he's, it's just like, oh, wow, man. It shows you a little bit what they could get away with more back then because I know people probably have a fit about it. Never mind the fact you have a uh, baby-looking gentleman who smokes a cigar. Uh, (laughs) So... But, yeah, I recommend it, too. I love this film. I, I love it. To uh, There's just, I can't find bad things about it. I'm sure maybe some people might nowadays. But it's still, there's so much art in it. And, yeah, I would not, if you do watch this, folks, because there's a lot we didn't cover because it is a dense film. If you do watch this, I suggest seeking out the behind-the-scenes stuff because if you see what they went through to make this happen in 88, is crazy part of the credits we talked about the longest credit sequence one of the thing is is the licensing because they had to give credit to every image of registered character yep <laughs> so like half the credits are just this uh tom and jerry appear co- courtesy of hannah Barbera. you know you got uh, uh you know you've got all of these uh characters in here droopy dog shows up um
0: so well, there's many. so many
1: there are just yep. so many. So there you have it, folks. You listened to us uh, gush tonight about or, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I, I wanted to do this because it, it's just, it is a film that is near and dear to me. And if you haven't guessed it, so much uh, that uh, it covers this film that, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess the actual theatrical run and VHS laser disc release when Jessica Rabbit and Eddie are thrown from the car Jessica's underwear is visible, but the coloring is sometimes close to that of her leg, so it was assumed she was not wearing underwear. So there you go, folks. That answers that question on the Internet Uh, for those folks out there looking for that, (laughs) I guess. Sure. Sure. Why not? Uh, Yeah. So, Glenn, uh, do you have anything that you would like to plug uh, tonight, because you get a license to shill, as everyone does on my episode, so...
0: Oh, man, I am doing nothing at the moment, mm-hmm. other than other than if you're in Oshkosh in October, my shorts apparently were selected uh, to show, or at least one of them. I think two of them were. Both of them, both
1: of them actually. Yeah, shown, yes.
0: yeah. not that I know any of the judges at all.
1: I have um, no idea, and had no so. poll in that whatsoever. <clears> yeah, so... <laughs>
0: so, if you want to see some, you know, uh, very uh, almost no-budget kind of ish shorts, by all means, come on out, because there'll also be some other good stuff, too.
1: Yep, the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Festival is the second week in October. Glenn will be there, I will be there, uh, a number of the Spoiler Room crew will be there for that fun festival and over half of the films I do believe or close to half of the films showing at the festival will be Wisconsin-made. Woo! Wisconsin made so, Wisconsin Wisco represent so uh, there you have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed uh, this interesting little rambling discussion of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But that's just gonna we love it so damn much, uh, and you will too once you see it. I almost, I almost guarantee. So uh, now, uh, just, just say goodnight Glenn. Good night, Glenn. Good night, Glenn. Hey all my friends out there looking for more Spoiler Room goodness, then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions where you can get access to exclusive Spoiler Room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD, and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard, and let us know what you would like to see in the Spoiler Room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.